My friends, will you please bow your heads with me as I pray? Almighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords, we praise your holy name. We praise the mighty work that you did in Jesus Christ and on that cross. We praise you for the way that you move your spirit among us. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts will be opened, our minds will be opened, that we will hear you and see you. In Jesus' strong name, amen. So some 2,000 years ago on a Sunday, a group of women came out of their homes after the Passover celebration had ended. It wasn't much of a celebration that year. For Passover, you're supposed to commemorate the magnificent work that God has done, saving his people from the grips of Pharaoh, from the enslavement they experienced under Egypt's rule. But there wasn't much for these women to celebrate that year. Their beloved teacher, friend, leader, was supposed to save them from the grips of Roman rule, from the enslavement experienced under the Pharisees' manipulation of the Mosaic law. Still, the women walked along together to a tomb, their hopes utterly dashed. They were overcome with disappointment, loss. Instead of saving the world from chaos and brokenness and sin, their friend had suffered and died at the hands of jealous religious leaders, the Roman government, and a bloodthirsty mob. Their friend was special to them. Since Passover was about to begin on the Friday that he died on the cross, their teacher, their leader, had been buried rather hastily into the tomb. And so now, now it's Sunday, now Passover has ended, and the women are determined to go to his grave. They are compelled to complete his burial process with the pungent spices and perfumes for the body, as was their Jewish custom. But on that incredible Sunday morning, the women made a discovery. At that tomb, they found that the heavy stone to the entrance had indeed been rolled away and they saw their resurrected Lord and Savior. Their discovery changed everything. The tomb was empty. Their emancipation had indeed come. Their story And the gospel of Jesus' life and death and resurrection has been taught and preached now for some 2,000 years. And so our sermon series today looks at what it means for us that Jesus was resurrected, that he was clearly dead and then raised to life. Jesus' resurrection carries such significance for us today. Through him, everyone who believes in him can experience the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, both here on earth and forever in eternity with the Father. And we can find hope in this message. So as we seek out what it means to live this life after Jesus' resurrection, let's dive into Romans chapter eight. Please open your Bibles, whether that's a paper one or an electronic one. 
Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter eight, verses one through 11. Today's reading comes from the New uh, Living Translation. And I'll begin here at chapter eight, verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So my friends, because we are justified by our faith in Jesus, and that, that word justified, that means that means that God looks at me just as if I'd never sinned, justified. So because he looks at us that way, because of justification, there is no condemnation to eternal death for our sin. This is huge. What a glorious statement of victory in this passage. Hope lives here in Romans for us, and I'm going to explain why we can believe that how we can hold on to that even when we feel like the women walking to the tomb, overcome with disappointment, loss, worry, doubt. In this passage in Romans 8, my friend Paul tells us that when we believe in and live in Jesus, his spirit breathes in us and liberates us from sin and the penalty of death. You see, regarding sin and regarding the consequences of sin, God did something absolutely amazing that the law could not 
ever do in order to condemn the sin that rules us, that attempts to rule us, God sent his divine son in a human body, just like ours, with all the same aches and pains, all the same joys, all the same sadness. And so he was our sin offering. He took our rightful place up on the cross. And there's nothing that we can do to somehow earn that substitution. We belong to Christ Jesus. And, and Paul's phrasing here in the Greek, this believing in Jesus, it means that we walk with the Spirit. It's a physical, active belief, walking with his, his Spirit daily. We live a life that's conformed to the union with Jesus. We live a resurrected life, a forgiven life, a new life in the confident hope of our salvation. Confident that we will be with him forever. This Romans passage describes the life of victory, the life of hope lived out by those who are in Christ Jesus and who walk according to the Spirit. Now, I, I emphasize this for you to equip you and to empower you because every one of us has to hold on to this hope when it feels like all is lost, when we cannot see a solution to a problem, when relationships fracture, when finances fall apart, whenever life goes sideways. We live in a sinful world. And so it's good for us to hear this story repeatedly, to hear it, to remember it, and then to proclaim the gospel so that we hold on to our savior, we trust our God, and we rely on our Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about this and how to share this with you, what it means personally to me that Jesus is resurrected and how I hold on to hope. And one of the things I would share with you is that like the women walking to the tomb that Sunday morning, I know what it is to feel that kind of disappointment and loss. There's been this adventure with God to ministry, to get to this point today has taken a very long time. And there've been some highs, but man, there've been some lows. God's call on me for ministry occurred back in 1998. Good grief, I have adult children as old as that call. And then it would be eight years from that call, it would be eight years until a seminary in Houston became a reality. And when Fuller Theological Seminary came into being, then, and, and I was on the mommy track, it took another eight years to go through all of the schooling and there were personal trials like I know we always have and not to mention a different Presbyterian denomination throwing up all kinds of hindrances and hurdles in front of me. Good thing my daddy taught me to be tenacious. And then there was a glimmer of hope, a glimmer there. I passed my ordination exams I graduated from seminary. What a glorious day for my family <laughs> for finally that would happen. 
And in our new denomination in ECO, I was examined by the Presbytery of Texas. I was deemed worthy to receive a call. And then nothing happened. Zip, zero, nada, crickets. Nothing happened. I was not called to be ordained at the church where I worked. I was not called to be ordained anywhere else. Interviews did not pan out. And then several of us were laid off for like the next 18 or 19 months. I was searching for a calling and then for a job and then for a paycheck. Decline, decline, decline. My plans to be a pastor were under such attack. And the declines came not just from churches, schools, businesses, nonprofits, everything. I had no pride by that point. And God used that. God and I had so many discussions about his call to me to ministry. And I called this time in the middle. This was the time in the middle. And I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but looking back, I wouldn't change it. I had to hold on to hope of what God would do. What was he doing with me in this calling when there was no seminary and then there was a seminary, there was worthy to have a call and there was no call. What was he doing? What were his plans for me? And then one day Chad phoned and he had accepted the position to be the head pastor to lead First Pres Kingwood. And was there a way for me to pastor here? And in discussing it with the personnel team and discussing it with the session, it developed not only a way to pastor here, but to become your associate pastor for discipleship and spiritual formation. A job description beyond what I could possibly have written for myself. Everything changed. And today I get to shepherd you, listen to you, pray with you, walk with you. There's more to say about this passage, but indulge me for just a minute. Indulge me as your pastor because I want to ask you something before we dive into the rest of the passage. I want to know what about you? What about times of disappointment and loss, like these women felt walking to the tomb? You have those too. What about worry? What about doubt? Are you in that time in the middle waiting on God? Is there a relationship that needs help, finances that need covering, health that needs recovery? I'd like to take a moment here and just walk you through a prayer time for this very thing. When we're under attack, when we need to know when we need to see that everything changes by the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. So as Christian comes up, he's gonna play a little bit of music underneath this for us. Just take a moment to breathe. Rest your shoulders. Find a praying position. Maybe it's leaning forward to the pew in front of you. Maybe it's your hands open. It can even be your hands releasing. 
And now close your eyes. Inhale. Exhale. And repeat after me. Almighty God, you know my situation. And by the power of the Holy Spirit that raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, I pray that you bring peace and resolution. Holy Spirit, move in my life. God, I place this at your feet. And my friends, pray silently now. Father God, we give over to you our concerns, our fears, our situations, our relationships. We let go of our human control. We desire to walk in your spirit. In you alone, we have the genuine hope of salvation. In you, we have the power of your spirit. In you, We have the joy of life in Christ, amen. So as I mentioned, there's more to say about this passage and I'll highlight for you three verses here. My friends, following Jesus' resurrection, we have hope because as Paul writes in verse three, God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. There is no condemnation for us because our sinless savior hung on the cross where sin was condemned. The cross where we were set free from sin And we were set free for service in the kingdom of our Lord right here, right now. We have hope following Jesus' resurrection because as Paul writes in verse six, letting the spirit control your mind to focus your mind leads to life and peace. Life that's both physical and spiritual. God intimately shares his gift of life with humankind, creating each and every one of us to bear his image. Life, active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed. Life and peace, peace, our very welfare and and our health 
peace is that tranquil state of our souls where each one of us is assured of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so we have nothing to fear. And then church, following Jesus' resurrection, we have hope because Paul writes this in verse 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The spirit of God lives in you. This is an astonishing statement for Paul to make here. So consider this, like just like in the gospel of John, the beloved disciple, that very first chapter where he writes about Jesus, the word, he says that the word dwelt among us. That's what this is. That's that same dwelling. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us all of our days. He's there to be our guide, to be our comforter, our paraclete. He is there to intercede and pray for us with sighs too deep for words. The Spirit of God dwells in you. That same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the same power lives in you and works through you to share the gospel with that one other someone who needs to hear the love, the forgiveness, the acceptance that they will find in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. So what difference does the resurrection make? What difference does it make that Jesus was raised from the dead? From that Sunday morning discovery 2,000 years ago when that group of women found that empty tomb to today, Jesus' resurrection changes everything. And to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, you have changed us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have made us the body here on earth. Send us from this place to do the work of the Spirit, to proclaim your gospel far and wide, to share it with just one other someone. Lord, grant us courage because we already have the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.